Welcome to the Action Catalyst, where we share inspiration and insights to help you get moving, overcome mediocrity, and move toward achieving your goals in life. From Nashville, Tennessee, this is Dan Moore, your host, partner with Southwestern Consulting and president of Southwestern Advantage. Sometimes the world feels crazy and lonely to me, maybe even a little fake. But what would happen if I slowed down and started offering kindness to others? The best leaders challenge us to be more, to focus on helping others before ourselves. We can change things for the better. No matter who we are or what we're doing, any one of us can be good to others. This sounds like a small thing, but I've seen how it creates a big ripple effect, where one act of kindness helped you and me, then it kept going again and again. Being kind encouraged someone else to do the same because they felt noticed, because they felt loved. More and more people joined in. Don't you want to be a part of that? A place where everyone looks out for one another? Where what we say and do can't help but inspire more kindness? That's the world I want to live in. And that's the world we can create, together. So let's look around, wherever we are, and be willing to go first. Because not only does kindness matter, it spreads. To join the movement, visit inspirekindness.com. We're very excited today at the Action Catalyst to have an old friend, Mac Anderson. Mac and I share a legacy of both having sold books as college students with the Southwestern program. But what you're going to hear from him today is a remarkable story of a person who has taken success principles that he truly believes in and has extended those to literally impact tens of millions of people worldwide give you a bit of background. Matt grew up in West Tennessee and then moved to Kentucky to attend Murray State University. And while he was there, a fellow college student recruited him to go sell books door to door with Southwestern. He sold several summers and in the process learned how to sell, how to communicate, and how to build teams of people, even under very challenging conditions. Now, unlike today, Southwestern had no additional career opportunities back then. And Mac then became part owner and vice president of sales and marketing for Orville Kent Food Company which became the largest manufacturer of prepared salads in the United States. He then started McCord Travel, which became the largest travel company in the Midwest. Now, all of these experiences had a common thread for Mac, centered on self-motivation. And as we're about to hear, he then changed the world of workforce motivation when he founded Successories. Everyone has seen the beautifully photographed large format prints with a motivational word or phrase. Well, we wouldn't see them if it weren't for Mac Anderson. He moved personal motivation and insight forward yet again by later founding Simple Truths. Simple Truths had a simple idea. Everyone wants to read more, things that are good for them, but making the time is a challenge. And we're gonna learn how his unique insights helped Simple Truths become a motivational force of its own. Mac has authored or co-authored 25 books so far with sales of more than 4 million copies worldwide. Every word that he writes, everything that he speaks, comes from a life based on proper principles and from the hands-on perspective of a truly successful multiple entrepreneur and leader. Mac now makes his home here in Nashville, Tennessee and has rejoined Southwestern Family of Companies. So Mac Anderson, welcome to the Action Catalyst. Thank you, Dan. I'm honored to be here. 
Well, glad to have you. What we'd love to do is just hear sort of your story, if you don't mind. Um, you've had so many important career pivots and things that have led you from one thing to another. And I think for our listeners, that's going to be a very inspiring story. So if you don't mind, kind of take us back to your first exposures to business and sales and some of the lessons learned there, and then what happened next? Yeah, no, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, I started um, as a sales manager for Orville Kent Food Company. We were uh, selling prepared salads, which I knew nothing about at the time I was recruited, but uh, I did know how to hire, train, and motivate people. And I met Richard Kent, the owner of uh, Orville Kent, uh, in, in selling for Southwestern, in fact. So I did that for about seven years, and, and we went from uh, a small company, $3 million, to to $15 million in those years, and uh, I own 10% of the company. So when we sold the company, I, I took my 10% and, and started uh, McCord Travel. Uh, McCord is my middle name. That's where the Mac uh, uh, comes from. And um, so I got into the travel business, and it was a lot of fun, uh, but it was very competitive, and we grew from nothing to about $25 million in five years. And, and again, I learned a lot uh, about myself and about the travel business. But uh, we, we specialized in incentive travel, and we also had a small recognition award company uh, in, in the company. We handed out the awards at the, uh, on the incentive trips. And uh, Mike McKee was my creative director for that. So I, when I sold the travel company, I kept the recognition award company and also kept uh, uh, Mike McKee. So we did that for a couple of years, and then we started uh, uh, Successories. That led to Successories, which was... Uh, a simple idea of combining uh, beautiful images with quotes to reinforce corporate values and, and, and personal goals. And, um, but the way it started, uh, a lot of people when I speak are, is, how did you start Successories? You know, it's such a simple idea. And the way it started is um, Ford Motor Company uh, was one of our clients for recognition, and they were having a uh, they were having a meeting with two thousand dealers, and they said our theme is motivation. Do you have anything motivational? And I said, you know, I, I've collected motivational quotes over the years. Maybe maybe you'd like to have a little book on each table and with your name on it. And they said, let's do it. So the next day, I mean, hundreds of dealers were calling saying, you know, I want more copies of that little book. There was just eighty pages and uh, quotes that I thought were motivational, and there was a single quote on each page. So uh, we uh, we sent those books out, and then I thought, you know, wonder wonder if uh, we could sell these little books. And and to find out, I took a, I took a dozen books to to three different hotel gift shops and said, look, I'm going to give you these books if you'll sell them on this plastic easel for uh, seven dollars. And uh, they agreed to do it. I came back a week later; they were all gone. I said, wow, people really do like quotes, just like I do. So over the next uh, few weeks, uh, one hotel after the other picked up the book and sold it next to the register. The airport shops picked it up and started selling it. And over the next 18 months, we sold 800,000 copies of that little book called Motivational Quotes. But halfway through, I said, you know, wonder if people would want to put quotes on the wall. So I put a picture of a brass plaque in the back of the book, said, look, you can, you can order any one of these quotes on a brass plaque for nineteen ninety five, And uh, had an order form next to it, and, and, and lo and behold, the orders rolled in for the brass plaques to just reinforce what they believe and to give us gifts. 
So Successories really, really evolved uh, from the, the little quote book uh, to, the, to the brass plaque uh, to the breakthrough idea of combining beautiful uh, images with, with words uh, to reinforce corporate values. And um, it, it really uh, it, it took off uh, fairly quickly. Uh, within the first year, we decided to advertise in the airline magazines, and we had a, we had a page and uh, a spread in United Magazine that said, decorate your walls with great ideas. And back then, it was in 1990, there was no internet, so uh, we had eight toll-free lines coming in, and, and for two months, they were blocked. I mean, uh, people would wait 45 minutes to, to order uh, these the, the quotes uh, and the images for the walls. So I knew I had a, a tiger by the tail, and, and um, so it took off, and it was amazing. We were, um, we were blessed in that uh, we went from about $3 million in 1990 to 50 million uh, in 1994, and uh, really by by advertising in in the, in the airline magazines and also mailing catalogs, we're mailing about 20 million catalogs a year, uh, and, and people would uh, uh, would love what we had to say. And once you know, once you saw the image of of a poster, we the the successful images, we made greeting cards and put the images on mugs and notebooks. So. It was a, it was a fun business, and, and I loved it. And we're making a positive difference in the world. So um, um, I I, uh, I did it for. We peaked at about seventy five million, and I I uh, was diagnosed about twenty years ago with prostate cancer. So I, I decided to 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 smell the roses, and I kind of semi retired for a while, and did some speaking, but um, uh, kind of bowed out of the day to day. And uh, but I sold the business, and, and shortly thereafter, uh, I, I you know I continued to speak a little bit, but I, I got bored, and uh, as a result, I said, you know, what else can I do to 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 reinforce the positive in the world? Because uh, as you know, it can be pretty negative at times, and I felt pretty good about reinforcing the, the positive. So uh, I started Simple Truths. Uh, you know, again, it was a, it was a simple idea. Um, you know, I, I felt like that less could be more if you, you know, published a book on leadership, not everything you needed to know, but the most important things you needed to know and, um, uh, and share those with the rest of the world and books that you could read in 45 minutes to an hour. We added the, we added the graphics and, and, and I think, uh, you know, great content. And I got to know quite a few of the uh, business authors, uh, at success, successories that I recruited for simple truths. Um, and Ken Blanchard was a good friend, Zig Ziglar, uh, uh, John Maxwell, uh, Brian Tracy, uh, uh, Vince Lombardi Jr., uh, Andy Andrews. There were quite a few folks that, uh, that uh, really loved what we were doing and, and shared their ideas with, uh, again, books on customer service, leadership, attitude, teamwork. So we, we grew that pr pretty rapidly, but the breakthrough idea for Simple Truths was one of the first books we published was called The Dash, Making a Difference with Your Life. And it, it was evolved around uh, Linda Ellis's famous poem, like not the date you were born, the date you died, but the dash in between and, and how you can make a difference with that dash. And, and I saw the poem, I loved it, and we wanted to publish a book around the poem. And and I co-authored it, but Linda's poem was in the front, and I, I added stories in, in the back end to reinforce the message from the poem. But 
But about three months into it, um, uh, over lunch, a friend of mine said, I love that. I love that book, Mac, and the graphics are great. But have you thought about creating a flash movie just by sharing the, the, the poem, set it to music with the graphics and, and send it out on, on the Internet? And I said, no, I haven't thought about that, but that, that sounds like a great idea. So we, 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 we did it. And, and, and lo and behold, uh, it, it was an amazing story in that we sent it out and it became the most viral thing on the Internet. Uh, 30 million people watched it in the first three years. And at the end of the movie, the little three minute video, uh, we said, if you like this uh, movie and you'd like a DVD, uh, a free DVD, uh, click here and you can get it with the book. And that became our business model. Millions of people would click and go right to our website and not only see the dash, but see the other books that, uh, uh, that we were selling. So we, we sold direct to consumers. We didn't sell in bookstores. And uh, going forward, every book we published, we created this little two, three-minute video. And it was, the, it was the only publisher in the world, to my knowledge, that, did, that had a business model like that. And um, it, it, was, um, it was fun because at the end of the day, uh, 100 million people watched our little videos. And we had about 2 million people on our newsletter list. Because at the end, if they didn't want to buy something, we had a little bubble that would come down and said, uh, if you'd like to get more bi videos like this, uh, just sign up for the newsletter. And, and uh, in some cases, uh, at, when we had the dash, uh, you know, we didn't have any more like that, but we got busy making them. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a neat business model. Uh, again, we inspired millions, and, and we published 150 books in, in the 10 years we were there. And uh, I got thousands and thousands of letters thanking me for making a difference in their business or their life. And obviously that makes you feel great. So um, uh, those were um, some, of the, some of the breakthrough ideas and, and uh, uh, behind the, the success story and the simple truth stories, uh, which, which really I'm proud to say both those brands became leaders in their niche. Uh, Successories, uh, we, were, we were 50 million before our nearest competitor got to be a million. And it's simple truth, really, there's no one doing what we're doing. So we kind of own those two, two niches. And I'm proud to say, I, I think we did a pretty decent job. Um, uh, and our motto in both cases was quality is a mother and you don't mess with mom. So whether it was the graphics or the content or the photographs, uh, we, we made sure we, we did it first and we did it right. That's amazing. So quality is the mother, you don't mess with mom. That, uh, and I think everyone would, would agree with that. Right. Well, you, you mentioned a little while ago that you had a few competitors that came in, but they were really kind of late, late to the game. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw that there was competition? Was there anything that you changed about the way you were doing it or just kept your eyes on the ball and focus on what you were doing well? No, we, we uh, you know, in any, anything, there, there, there's going to be competition. But with successories, um, again, we did it first. Uh, it, to, to this day, it still amazes me. It's such a simple idea that no one had ever thought about combining images with words and uh, the whole decorate your wall with great ideas. But we did it first. We, we did it right. Uh, we advertised in the, in the uh, uh, airline magazines, which a lot of folks saw when they were trapped on those planes. Uh, we were mailing 20 million catalogs a year, and people were responding. So really, uh, in, in that three years, again, we grew from 3 million to 50 million in, in three years. 
And uh, our nearest competitor, uh, our competitors really, um, in many cases, tried to try to knock us off. But uh, the judge ruled it was a little too close for comfort, and and we won those cases early on. Uh, so uh, we we became the brand in, in motivational content uh, posters, uh, greeting cards, um, uh, mugs, you know, whatever. Just combining an image with words to reinforce what you believed. So with Simple Truths, uh, again, we did it first uh, with, the, with the business model we had of just sharing the videos uh, with, um, with the rest of the world. 100 million people watched our, our videos uh, and the brand Simple Truths would pop up. And we were the only publisher that did not, uh, every, every other publisher depended on Amazon and the bookstores. And we were the only publisher really going direct to, direct to consumers with a new model of these short movies come back to our website and, and, and see if there were books you'd like to purchase. So that was very dip- difficult to duplicate. And, uh, and really, we never really had any real competitors in, in that space, uh, direct-to-consumer competitors. Obviously, you have uh, gift books in, the, uh, um, in Hallmark and uh, focused on mothers and babies and Christian bookstores. But there were no gift books that focused on business themes like customer service and leadership and teamwork and attitude. We were the first, and you could give the books, uh, uh, you, could, you could show the movie at, at a meeting and, and hand them out uh, as a takeaway, uh, or, or you could give them to customers as gifts to reinforce what you stood for, whether it be service or teamwork or quality. So um, companies bought into that, and it really did. Uh, but we had both corporate themes and, and what I call softer titles for, um, for, con- for consumers. Right, right. Well, I know that when you started as a student selling books is when you got exposed to a lot of these quotations and motivational sayings and all the rest of that. Did you find those foundational experiences kept coming back to you throughout this course of this amazing career? (laughs) There was no doubt about it, Dan. No doubt about it. Um, I've always loved quotes, but my first exposure to a quote that really hit home was my second year with, with Southwestern selling books. And it was a time that I, I was I was going through a, a, a difficult uh, time, and, and um, Bob Stover uh, uh, said, "You know, Mac, I, I've got something that maybe you need to, to to take a look at." And he pulled something out of his wallet that said, "Inch by inch, life's a cinch; yard by yard, life is hard." And uh, you know, I thought about that. I said, "Wow, you know, that's 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 a great quote." And, and uh, and, and in college, when I had a lot to do and, and very little time to do it, uh, I would think about that. I'd make the list. I'd, I'd, I'd knock off uh, the things I had to do. But when I was in, in business, you know, every time, I mean, it's a simple idea. But when I get overwhelmed sometimes, I just think about, wow, inch by inch, life's a cinch. Yard by yard, uh, life is hard. So let's just list, make a list of all the things you got to do and, and, and knock them off one at a time. And, and at the end of the day, you'll get there. Right. Wow, that's an amazing lesson to pick up so young. I've always loved quotes. And, and again, the first time I ever made any money with quotes was when I created the little motivational quote book. And again, I found people like quotes just like I did, just like not only in the books, but uh, uh, to put quotes on the wall. So uh, I, I've made a living with, 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 with quotes over the years. And, and uh, sometimes it, it, a quote is like uh, like a camera, you know. Used to, you'd have to twist the lens to get it into focus. Sometimes, uh, you know, uh, if sometimes it's not what you say, but it, it's how you say it. 
and, and uh, all of a sudden you say words that make uh, what you're thinking crystal clear, just like just like the image when you when you twist the lens of a camera. So it it, it, um, um, it quotes have always been an important part of my life, just to reinforce my priorities in life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these days there's a lot of people that are skeptical about what you might call positive mental attitude. And they say, we have so many problems in the world and you're being unrealistic to run around with all these positive phrases. Well, how do you react to that? Or what would you say to somebody that is is kind of down on this whole notion of self-motivators like that? You know, I've been in business for 40 years and I've learned the difference between success and failure is, is not how you look, not how you dress, and in some cases not even how you're educated. It's how you think. And, and, and really, um, the, the successful people that I've known have, have taken uh, a positive uh, approach in, in life. And, and it's, it's, it's not easy sometimes, and it's hard to, to stay, stay positive, and it's a very personal thing. And, and uh, you know, you, you need to learn to manage your attitude, but uh, I think that uh, there's no question in my mind, the people that I've known and respected uh, and that have been successful have been passionate people that were very positive about what they did and, and they kept the right attitude. So um, I would, uh, the people that poo-poo that idea, you know, uh, uh, I would disagree with wholeheartedly. <laughs> you might say, try it, you'll like it. Yeah, I think I probably would. That, that's, that's a great approach. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, it sounds like every business that you've been involved in has been something that was a part of your own core values. In other words, you believe in self-motivation, you believe in persistence, you believe in serving people and finding a niche and finding something that's valuable to them. How important do you think it is that a person's business and their personal values really be in alignment rather than separate those two things? Yeah, I, I think it's critical. And um, my, my in, in, in each business that I've started, there were really three uh, values that I that I really uh, embraced. And one was one was just quality. Um, uh, again, my motto is quality is a mother. You don't mess with mom. And we wanted to create a wow experience. When you open that package, we wanted to say, wow, uh, this is better than I thought it would be. Um, and the next is just exceptional service. Uh, and, and I think one of the number one rules in, in business uh, when it comes to service is, is try to always deliver more than the customer expects. And if you can do that consistently, um, uh, it, it, you'll be you'll be successful. And, and the and the third is is just the power of kindness because um, companies don't succeed, people do. And and uh, and one of my favorite quotes is, "They don't care uh, how much you know until they know how much you care." So caring about your people uh, and, and not only uh, what they mean to your business, but caring about their families and their life. Um, is really, really important to building a great team, in my opinion. So I would say, you know, the, some of the, the, the main core values with each business would make sure that the, the, the quality of the product was uh, second to none, uh, your, your service uh, uh, was exceptional, and, and try to create raving fans. Ken Blanchard wrote a book called Raving Fans, and, and if, you can, if you can create raving fans with the quality of your product, 
then all of a sudden, uh, not only do you have a satisfied customer when you have a raving fans, they become part of your sales team and they go out and tell their friends and, and family about your product. So uh, the idea with, with the quality and the service, uh, the goal is to create a, a raving fan. But the, creating a culture of, of kindness is, is, I think, super important because um, uh, there's no question the world needs a lot more of it these days. But, uh, but people, when you, can, when you can share, when you can care about people as, as individuals and, and not just as a, a, a part of your business team, it, it makes a huge difference. They, they, they would run through walls for you. And just a, just a quick example, um, I was walking walking through the warehouse one time at Successories, and and one of the one of the uh, uh, workers back there, you know, I said, Tom, I said, do you have a good weekend? He said, Oh yeah. He said, He said, I went fishing with my son. I said, Do you like to fish? He said, Oh yeah, my son loves to fish. And and so the next night, I mean, I, when I got home that night, I knew I had a a couple of fishing books on the shelf, and and the next day I back there, I said, You know, why don't you give this to your son? I think he'd enjoy it. And you would have thought he won the lottery. I mean, it was it was just uh, it was just amazing how his eyes lit up. But there's so many little things that you can do to let people know that that that, that you care, and it's all those little things add up. And if you hire uh, if you hire great people that are kind people, uh, you'll create a culture of service and kindness that that uh, that is lasting, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Somebody once said, "Culture." eats strategy for breakfast. So if you can get the culture right, everything else tends to follow. I could not agree with you more. Southwest Airlines, I think, has an amazing uh, culture. And, and sometimes I ask uh, is, you know, how do you get your people to be so nice? And, and the CEO said, we just hire nice people. <laughs> uh, and uh, and they, they, they not only are, are nice and kind, uh, they have fun. And uh, so it's, it's, it's their culture and, and, and it radiates. And, uh, and, and so it's, it's a challenge, uh, again, to, to, to do it, just like anything in business is a challenge. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, once, you, once you go down that path, and it all starts at the top, I mean, the guy at the top, if, if, uh, if, his, uh, if his head is on straight, if he's a kind person that cares about uh, uh, his team, uh, that cares about the customers and wants to create this uh, raving fan uh, culture, then, uh, and he hires good people beneath him that uh, also care about these same values, amazing things can happen. Well, it's clear from your tone of voice and the way you carry yourself that that is true with you, that the head of this organization and every organization is somebody that truly cares about others, which is awesome. Now, in terms of adding people, because you mentioned that you went from 3 million in sales to 50 million in less than five years. Yes. That is an incredible growth rate. You must've been having to add people very rapidly, right and left, figure out your processes, how to scale. You probably moved a couple of times in that process of making that work. How did you keep kind of control of the culture when you're adding people so quickly and business was booming so fast? It's not easy, let me <laughs> tell you. And I got a few scars to show for it. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's uh, you know, you've just got to really hire the right people and take the time to hire people that you think uh, complement your skills. I mean, I, I learned uh, the hard way uh, in some cases that my, my skills were people skills and creative skills. And, and I was weak on the accounting and, and operations side. 
So I, I learned that I had to hire great people uh, who had been there and done that uh, in those two areas because to, to complement uh, my skills. So it's a matter, Dan, of building a team that you trust that can hire good people under them. But as you're growing that rapidly, there's no question about it. It can be it can be a tremendous challenge, and and uh, um, but I, I learned something along the way that uh, I'll share with you that really affected my the way I hired people. I, I was I've always been a big fan of Nordstroms and and, uh, and the way they um, uh, hire people and serve people, and I, I got to have lunch with uh, uh, the president of Nordstroms Midwest uh, a, a few years ago. And I, I was saying, you know, Bob, with, with uh, you know, the way you guys take care of customers, you must have a training manual that thick. And he said, you know, Mac, we don't, we don't have a training manual. He said, we just hire people, uh, uh, the best people we can find, empower them uh, to, to satisfy the customer. Uh, and we learned a long time ago that you can't send a duck to Eagle School. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> he said, you can't send a duck to Eagle School. And, and, uh, and I said, he said, you can't hi hire people. And, you know, we have to find people that, uh, um, that, that want to serve, that, 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 that smile, that, uh, that have great personalities. Uh, because, you know, you, you, you can teach those people your, your, about your culture and about your products. But unless you, unless you, he said, we, many times early on, he said, I learned that when I'm trying to hire people on a rapid basis, you're, you're sometimes uh, thinking that, okay, this is a person that they're a duck, but I can, uh, you know, I can train them and, and teach them to be an eagle. But he said, unless they want to serve, unless they really have great personalities, unless they, they, they really, really um, are excited about serving the customer and make it all it can be. He said, it's not going to work out long term. So every time I was interviewing during that growth process and all my managers the same way, I said, you know, we got to take the time to hire the right people to build the kind of infrastructure we need. And, and so, uh, you know, that was uh, we did the best we could and we grow very, grew very rapidly. But uh, uh, fortunately, we, uh, we we held it together. Well, absolutely, you did, because there's there's a tendency to fill positions really fast. And it sounds like you were deliberate and you slowed down and you took the time because one of the biggest costs in any business is a bad hire because then you not only lose ground with everybody, you got to start all over again and the business keeps rolling forward. So it ends up being like a crippled car with one tire that's not working properly. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, you learn the hard way. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've early on, I hired a lot of ducks thinking they were going to be eagles, but, uh, uh, you know, once uh, once uh, Bob shared that one thought with me, I mean, every interview going forward, I, I think, you know, am I talking to a duck thinking they're going to be an eagle? And if the answer was uh, uh, yes, that is the case, then I'd move on. Right. But if you had a task that required an, uh, a creature that could handle both water and land, you probably wouldn't hire an eagle for that one. Uh, yes, that's true. Fitting the right people to the right jobs is really what you're talking Th about. There's no question about it. And, and really the key... Uh, in, in my opinion, to, to a great leader is, is to be able to uh, spot, uh, spot talented people for each position, but then keep them uh, excited about your mission. And, um, and, and that is, uh, that is the, you know, one of the keys to leadership, in my opinion. But one of the, one of the most, uh, um, I think, undervalued qualities of leadership is, 
is to be a great listener. And, and, and uh, I, I read a poll one time uh, where they, they interviewed a thousand people and they asked each one of them, do you, do you have a great boss? And of those that thought they did, they said, you know, what, what is, why are they great? And the number one by far thing they said was, my boss is willing to listen to what I have to say. And, and again, that's uh, listening is, is is all about. I mean, it's it's it, it's all about kindness and, and listening to what you listening to what they have to say is um, um, is something really people uh, they appreciate uh, greatly. You know, you, they know you respect them, and, and they know you're willing to listen to what they have to say. So um, uh, that was important. Absolutely important. Uh, in terms of growing businesses as well, I bet you there was a time with successories or Simple Truths even that you would hear an order coming in and you might actually pack the plaque in the box, carry it to the mailing bin when you were small. Um, you did probably a whole lot of this yourself, just creating processes as they went along. How did you find you could ultimately let go? Because with many entrepreneurs, they get to a certain size and it's hard to let go. They're, they're so into the details of the business that it's, it's difficult for them to, to grow. They hit a ceiling. So did you find that you had to really think about things that you could just say, not doing that anymore. Let me do this instead and get somebody better. It's one of the biggest mistakes that, that entrepreneurs make. There's no doubt about it. And um, really it's a matter of, of knowing your strengths and, and, and weaknesses. And hiring great people to, to compliment what you're weak at. And it took me, you know, it took me a while to, to, to get there, you know, because in the beginning you do want to, you do want to hold on to everything because you, you trust yourself, but you, you gotta, you gotta make the leap of faith, uh, that, that the person you hired is going to know better than you. And, uh, but, uh, I, I did learn to let go. And that was a very, very, uh, important part of my, my growth process as, as an entrepreneur. And um, I have a lot of respect for anyone who has the courage to start their own company because it's, it's, it's never easy. And there were just a lot of peaks and valleys along the way. Um, but uh, uh, the, one, one of the keys, no question about it, is really understanding yourself, understanding what you're good at and what you're not so good at, and hiring great people that uh, uh, complement what you're not good at. And uh, I learned that the hard way in some cases, uh, but... Uh, especially on the accounting and operations side. I mean, it's so critical. I mean, I, um, again, my skills were people skills and creative skills, but, uh, you know, I was not one to, to dot all the I's and cross the T's. And, and uh, unless you have those people in your organization, uh, you will eventually fail. And so uh, uh, I learned that the hard way early on, but fortunately it wasn't, wasn't too late and uh, we, we were able to turn things around. That's great. Now, if somebody is just getting their business off the ground and they realize that they need to bring in that level of talent, but they don't necessarily have the money to bring in the highest caliber of people, how do you promote or, or, or sell the vision so that people are willing to sometimes even take a step back and pay in order to be a part of something that's truly great? That's a good question, uh, a very good question. And, and entrepreneurs have often asked me that, 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 that same question. And, um, in some in some cases, you can find uh, uh, people in 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 the um, that are retired that uh, have been great accountants or great 
even CFOs that are looking for something to do. They're looking for something to uh, to get excited about. Uh, they don't want to spend the, their time uh, in the rocking chair on the front porch. And, and you can recruit some of these folks part time to 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 help you understand what you need uh, on on the accounting and the operations side. So uh, I, I did that a couple of times. And I know I've recommended that to friends a couple of times that 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 it, where it worked out great. And and the other way is just to take the leap of faith and and, and say, look, uh, uh, you know, I know uh, uh, my budget doesn't uh, doesn't call for for a person that's making this much money, but uh, uh, I'm going to borrow the money. I'm going to make it happen, and uh, I'm going to trust them to help me grow the business to where it, it, things will work out. And and I've done that too. And it has worked out. So it's, uh, it's a good question. And there, there, many times, you know, as an entrepreneur, you'll, um, you'll reach that uh, fork in the road where you have to take that leap of faith. And, and, um, uh, but in, 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 in my case, you know, the, the, the leap of faith with the people I hired early on on the accounting and operations side, um, it worked out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mac, it's really hard to believe how fast time goes talking to you. Uh, yeah. But the good news for our listeners is that there's going to be a second part to this interview. Uh, your autobiography is incredible. And I think we could take days just listening to you tell these stories and these lessons. If it's okay with you, what we'd like to do is move into the next segment, which will air next week. And I'll ask you more specific questions about challenges you faced and things that you've learned along the way that could be really helpful for, for our listeners. Would that work for, okay? It works. Good. Well, everybody, I am so excited that we've had this first time with Mac Anderson. Uh, he's a person not only of business success, but of deep integrity and great courage, a uh, cancer survivor, and somebody that made some value-based decisions as he's gone through life. And what an impact on so many people. Uh, Mac has shared with me that he's checked into hotels in very far-flung places, and as he looked behind the desk, he would see a print, a successories print framed on the wall. And I think I know him well enough to know that he very rarely said, hey, by the way, I made those, <laughs> but instead would have just a, a feeling of satisfaction of changing lives. And, and he's done so with millions and millions of people. So again, Mac, thank you so much for this. And uh, we'll look forward to the next segment. Thank you, Dan. I'm honored to be here. What an incredible experience to hear about the life and history and business of Mac Anderson. Five completely different types of careers, all successful, starting as a college student selling books and leading teams, and then building a company that has had more impact on more lives in the area of personal motivation than anything else that I can think of, and then doing it again. It's, it's an amazing set of stories. To me, one of the really powerful things that came through that first segment with Mac is his awareness of values and things that are important. He is a genuinely nice person. He cares deeply about others. And as Simon Sinek taught us in Start With Why, if you know what you believe in and you talk about it, you don't necessarily have to recruit people to do certain things. You'll just find people that believe the way you believe. And clearly through the course of his life and building businesses, Mac has found people that believe what he believes, which is fantastic. He spoke about breakthrough ideas. You know, the idea that his uh, travel company did plaques because at these incentive trips, they would get plaques out made sense. And then he was able to take the plaque business and start to create a business in motivational plaques. But then the breakthrough idea was the realization that quotes matter, that quotes are meaningful to people. And that if that quotation could be accompanied by an inspirational image that inspires people, then it could have a really powerful impact. I think we all know that our, our brains work in lots of different ways. And part of us is very analytical. 
the part of our brain that regulates analysis likes quotes because we can kind of get them. But then our right brain gets motivated by images and by color and by, by pictures. And so combining those two, truly a breakthrough idea. And I think we could say that it truly was to go from a three million their first year to 50 million just four or five years later with a peak of 75 million. Mac is also somebody that has that personal courage. He is a cancer survivor. And I remember talking to him years ago when he was going through those treatments. It is a very prioritizing experience. And he spent that time figuring out what his priorities were and made some changes. But interestingly enough, like many great leaders, he got bored with being too chill. And he had always been motivated by great authors and got motivated by this particular quotation in the poem called The Dash, which we'll share more about that in our next episode. Now, technology had changed. You recall that he built successories through airline magazines, through catalogs, mailing out 20 million catalogs a year. But as technology changed and internet marketing became the thing, with his next company, he was able to take advantage of that. And the breakthrough idea was to accompany wonderful books and quotes with these short flash movies that could be emailed. And that led to 100 million total views. So even though Max says these are breakthrough ideas and that he says it seems so simple in retrospect, I think that's part of greatness. Now, along the way, it's important that we remember that Mac worked in these businesses. He didn't sit off in a corner drinking tea and thinking, what would be the next really cool idea? And many of these ideas occurred to him while he was on the factory floor or while he was in a sales meeting. And the ideas occurred because he was smack in the middle of that business. I also really appreciated the fact that his focus was direct to consumers. That personal touch is what enabled thousands of people to send him letters and notes and make phone calls over the years simply to tell him the impact that he had had on their lives. Can you imagine anything more reinforcing than to get a call from someone that says, what you do changed my life for the better. It's phenomenal. Uh, his values, quality. Quality's the mother and you don't mess with mom. I can hear his hundreds of employees repeating that when they're tempted to maybe think something could be done a little bit cheaper or maybe not quite as nice and nobody would notice. Uh-uh, they would notice. Exceptional service, giving people more than they expect. And then ultimately, the power of kindness. The fact that companies don't succeed, it's people that succeed. It really reflects something I heard Spencer Hayes say countless times. You don't really build a business. You build people, and people build businesses. He's an immensely teachable person. He spoke a lot about the influences that he'd had in his life. And sitting down and listening to the president of Nordstrom Midwest is where he learned you can't send a duck to Eagle School. I've got to find people that have certain traits and talents and let them excel in those particular areas. Self-awareness comes through also, knowing his strengths, knowing that he's particularly good at dealing with people and good at creative, and that there's other people out there that are good at other things. It takes a person with a strong self-concept and very little ego to know when it's time to get that help and to let go and entrust those people, to hire them and let them grow. And this is the reason that Mac has been consistently successful over and over and the impact that he's had in so many ways. In our next segment, when we get back together, I'm going to ask him some specific business-related questions and how he dealt with his own internal motivation and working with his team in facing problems, obstacles, and all the rest. So for this week, this is Dan Moore. Thank you for tuning in to The Action Catalyst.